good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to this iteration of Faster Than a Stand-Up. I'm Sunny Sanger, and I will be your host today. This is the next iteration of the DevOps series, which the topic will be Origins. Joining me today, friend of the podcast, Jesse Marchan, Senior Director of DevOps, ISBN People and Enablement Operations, and our new friend, and you've heard him just on the previous um, episode, Dominic Meyer, Principal Engineer at SAP. So we're going to cover origins, gentlemen, now. So, Jesse, where did it all begin? Yeah, so a little bit of of storytelling, and and I'm going to, if everyone recalls from our last episode, we we started with the concept of failure. And expanding upon that, I'm going to ask a little bit of a rhetorical question and say, you know, what's the difference between complicated versus complex? I'm going to give you two sort of visual images. Uh, hopefully, everyone can can imagine the inside of a mechanical watch and perhaps a, a Swiss a Swiss one. You can think of all of the the very little intricate parts moving together. That is what I would refer to as complicated. And and, and complicated basically means there's a lot of things going on, but the end result is deterministic and knowable. So if we assemble all the parts in the right place, we're going to get uh, the, the mechanical watch working. Um, complex, on the other hand, I'm going to have you picture, you know, a, a freeway system or, or uh, uh, a, a weather system. Both of those systems, while we understand there's lots of inputs and outputs, um, it is, an, it is a uh, non-deterministic system, meaning we're not always going to get the same same result. And, it, and while we understand a lot of the things, it is not a completely knowable uh, and, and reproducible um, uh, set of inputs and outputs. And, and, and why does that matter to, to DevOps? And, and, and that's, that's because most of the software services that we build, especially the, the ones that we run at scale, are complex. They're not just complicated. They are complex, so we don't always know what's going to happen when we introduce um, a, a change to the system, or even if we don't introduce something, just naturally change. Things fail, hardware fails, um, you know, whatever, right? So, so the origin of DevOps ultimately has to deal with complex systems and leverages a lot of. Uh, other industries and other thought and other frameworks to try to better deal with failure and better deal with with getting things uh, faster, basically, right? So, uh, some of the some of the things we've we've probably uh, other frameworks we might have heard of, you know, lean theory of constraints, scientific method, TQM, quality management systems, Six Sigma type of things. Um, Deming is, is a huge influence, uh, his system of profound knowledge, uh, safety culture, which uh, a lot of comes from industries that, that, uh, that deal with uh, big accidents and, and possibly death and um, things also maybe like the SINFIN framework, which, which look at the different sort of domains of, 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 of uh, you know, VUCA or the voluntary uncertainty, complexity and ambiguity. So. Um, those are all things that have, are, have heavily influenced DevOps, um, and, and then also some of the things that influenced it in, in, in ways that um, are sort of on the, on the inverse, uh, things like, uh, like Taylorism and, and sort of command and control and, and, and um, 
sort of some of some of the bureaucracy. Those are things that have influenced it inversely, uh, perhaps saying avoiding some of those things. So, um, those are some of the the, the origins of, of of DevOps at at least at a macro conceptual, uh, more academic level. Excellent. No, great overview. Dominic, did you want to give an overview of how it began for you and within your area? Yeah, I can definitely um, attach to that. So uh, I remember well when I was in a, in a study, like in 20, 2012, I think, to 2015, um, where we learned something called ROOP. I don't know if this is well known in, uh, in English terms or if that's even known outside Switzerland, but there was it was a waterfall model. Uh, we did a project thesis over over six months, and we planned for two months. We implemented for two months, and we documented for two months. Um, as soon as you got out, you discovered like, okay, planning two months, implementing two months, and documenting or maybe testing and adding some small quality sugar doesn't really work, right? So. Um, I think the key for us uh, was always the customer, um, sometimes competitors, right? If you take for every change you do six months uh, and for your, for your competitor, maybe takes three months if he's a, a little bit faster or two weeks if he's super fast, um, you look quite old and fairly, and well, after some time customers will probably switch, right? Because the other person can just listen better, um, implement feedback. So this was always, um, from the beginning, this was a little bit tricky, right? Uh, in the studies, classically, you define a requirement that you would never change it again. And I think this, or you say, yeah, yeah, we, ch we can change it, but you know, you need to wait this at least this sprint, or in the worst case, you need to wait for the next major release or whatever. So this was um, always where we seen like, hey, we need another um, mindset, let's say. so. Um, that's where we started to adopt and at least my mind and also over time and also the, the product I work in now had started to adopt this new culture. Mm -hmm. um, they, it was called engineering culture in the beginning. It was not, it was merely by not accident, but not really yet a DevOps uh, approach because it takes a lot of time to change a culture. And I always emphasize you cannot clap twice and you do DevOps. Um, so yeah, it was a long journey. And I think the customer stood at the beginning. Like there was yeah. one which said like, hey, this button needs to be more round and I want it fast. And uh, then two weeks later, it had to have another shape. It's always my stupid example. No one changes shapes, but it's the easiest example um, to do that. And this was always our key driver. And just one addition, maybe also to the quality aspect. Uh, one thing that we also see is like the DevOps mindset kind of always involve, also involves in end-to-end -end ownership, it also involves roles. And one role is kind of the quality assurance or quality assistance uh, aspect. And this is also something that we had to learn. Like we, you cannot hack two weeks and then do two, like write some tests for one day and then the next time hope it will not break because it most of the time will. Um, so this is also something that we had to learn. Like with every small iteration, um, we had to ensure the quality or add, do something also for the quality of our product, clean up technical debt or pay some of them. So this was also something that brought us to this uh, working model or this culture. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and, I, and I'm going to tag on to that and, and make a shout out to a previous episode we also also did on DevOps and Agile and, and what uh, Dominic was, was also relaying, talking about uh, sprints and things like that. This is why DevOps and Agile work so well together. So really, when you are customer focused and, and you want to make a, a change uh, and having that uh, sprint cadence at two weeks or, or whatever is is so very uh, helpful when you can quickly develop and then release a change that the customer can see in a short period of time. And that's why, and, and that's why it works so well together. And, and this also ties back into that sort of complicated versus complex. I mean, um, you could certainly think about the complicated complex from the running of the systems, but also just from the customer perspective, um, delivering new features and, and, and delivering um, um, you know, minimum viable the customer may not know exactly what they want, right? They they may they they think they what they want is 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 X, but it's really probably X plus one or X plus two or or whatever those those things are, and that's that's where the complexity comes in. They don't know all of the pieces in that Swiss watch they want to build. Uh, they're much more like a highway system where hey, we, we might need an off ramp here, and, and yeah, this is probably a bad example because that takes like. 10 years to build, but get my point where, where there's, there's, you know, we don't know exactly what we want uh, um, to, to improve the, the flow of the traffic or, or, or whatever it is. So um, being able to quickly um, change and, and build to meet the needs is gives us the most flexibility uh, and delivers the most value. Another thought here is how does this tie into DevOps? Um, yeah. So let me make some some you know draw some lines between what what we've talked about and 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 how how it kind of all works together. So uh, we've talked a little bit about things like lean and things like um, safety culture. So how do how do those things directly tie to DevOps? Well, I you know I hope everyone's familiar with terms like continuous integration. Uh, continuous delivery or continuous deployment, things, CI/CD type of concepts. Um, that you know, a lot of those that pipeline and the and and how that's implemented is based off of like a lean manufacturing techniques where we we try to have um, you know pull systems, very fast flow from one end of of of, of the, the the value stream or the the pipeline to to the other. Um, there's also lots of ties uh, with Again, you know, like safety culture and 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 trying to deliver um, reliable systems that don't kill people. Uh, that's you know, so uh, and the culture around that. That's what safety culture is. Uh, you know, apologies for the very short and and not full definition, but just just for those listening, keep that in mind. And and how those things um, relate to to having blameless cultures around DevOps and trying to always figure out what those failure points are and not blame the people, but trying to make the systems more uh, tolerant and reliable. That all requires a good uh, culture around it. Um, and then th there's also things that, that, that start to relate to things like, um, you know, chaos engineering and, and, and how do we, how do we test the, the, uh, reliability of our systems in a more proactive manner instead of waiting for the incidents. Can we try to introduce things just to learn more about how our systems um, uh, work? 
Um, and and then you know a, a big thing around DevOps too is is uh, some of the metrics and, and measurements and, and um, uh, a lot of that sort of what I was mentioning around the, around the scientific method and trying out things, making hypotheses, and then figuring out how those measurements actually act in your complex systems uh, relates pretty well too. So hopefully some of those ties make it a little bit clearer. Uh, they're not critically important, but know that um, DevOps is built off of lots of other bodies of knowledge um, from other disciplines and other industries uh, to get it to where it is today. Yeah, Jesse, maybe I can uh, I can also pick up one of your points, uh, which just sprang to my mind, because this is always a pain point um, to kind of emphasize and uh, to show to show people that maybe have already seen what is an agile mindset. But one thing that makes us really faster um, is to understand um, like these small independent parts uh, mm -hmm. of the teams and that you, can, that you can decouple some roles. And one thing in this specific area that you also mentioned is CI, CD. And there, I think one, one thing that needs to be made clear in a lot of effort and knowledge sharing and repeating and repeating. It's like the clear difference between continuously integrating to the trunk, um, mm -hmm. like in like kind of in the, de not definition of DevOps, but how it's practiced, um, the continuous deployment, um, which doesn't mean a customer sees it, right? You can mm -hmm. deploy all day long and never release mm -hmm. and the continuous releasing and then kind of summarizing it as continuous delivery, I think, that people understand this transition that a deployment is not a release. And when something is integrated, it's also not deployed and also not released. I think this needs to be very, I think there very we invest important. a lot of time. And yeah. yeah, exactly. This needs to be made repeated all over that everyone understood it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and going back for the lean principles, I'm going to make this tie again, just because that's part of the question. One might ask, so why is that? Why is it important for us to uh, try to deliver as frequently, even if it's not released to customer? What's, what's, what's the pain in it just sitting there waiting to be released um, uh, and not going to production? Well, well, from a very lean answer, it's, it's because that's wasted inventory uh, and, and it's just waiting out, out, out there. And, and you know, the, the point of lean is to try to, try to be, make it as lean as possible in that delivery cycle. But what does that mean in, from, from a software perspective specifically? Well, if it's waiting to be released and, and being bunched up, then you're starting to create a big inventory or backlog of stuff that probably has to be regression tested and checked again. And that, all those things start to add more and more thought and time, right? Like, you know, if, if we're doing a six months release and we have a big bucket of six months of work out there, well, the natural tendency is, well, are we sure it's all going to be able to be tested and regression tested and hardened and, and all those things again? Um, and, and that's a lot of work and that's going to take, you know, probably more months to, to do that. Um, so versus, you know, if something was out there and we just regressed that little change against everything else, we know it's working. We can sort of not think about it anymore. We don't have to build up additional complication and in, 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 in all of that uh, uh, cross checks in essence. So um, again, sort of a simple example of, of, of why it's important to, or why the, the lean principles are, are driving some of those you know, CI, CD techniques and 
back to your point, Dominic, just because we're doing CICD does not mean we need to release it. And that's where, you know, feature flags and things like that uh, uh, help us out, but from a technical perspective, but yeah, yeah great concept. I think one, one uh, point there is also when you deliver in small steps, um, you can also go back one small step, right? If you yes. throw out your huge yes. backlog bucket yes. and it breaks, you will wonder which of the 200 items in the bucket broke it and yep. you have to go back somehow. Yep. So yeah, exactly. That was a yeah. perfect example. Yeah, Roll, rollbacks become much more painful when there are 300 changes or exactly. whatever it is. Excellent. Great topics, both of you. I think that's a wrap now uh, on this particular episode. So that's the end of this iteration. I'm Sunny. I'm Dominic. And Jesse. Until the next iteration, you can shoot us an email at DL Agile Operations Team or find us on Slack at Ask Agile Ops. Until the next iteration, you can give us a rating at your podcast provider or shoot us an email at info at fasterthanastandup.com or find us on Twitter at Faster Stand Up. Thanks for listening. And that was Faster Than a Stand Up. The opinions on this podcast are solely those of the participants and not of their employers.